This is Chris. Welcome to episode 347 of X Lapsed. Uh, we're getting closer and closer and closer to 350, aren't we? I don't know that that. Uh, actually, I know it doesn't mean anything, but uh, it's still pretty neat, I think. Uh, today, well, um, well, we couldn't put it off any longer. Uh, today, we are kicking off Knights of X, which, rumor has it, might just be a five-issue miniseries. And boy, uh, fingers crossed. Um, you know, uh, we talk a lot about inflation these days, right? There's also that concept of shrinkflation, you know, where you get less for the same price, you know. Instead of getting, you know, eight ounces of, uh, of you know, your favorite cookie in that bag, it's, you know, seven ounces of that cookie, and it's the same price. Marvel also has a bit of shrinkflation, and usually I get quite annoyed by it. Actually, you know what? I take that back. I never get annoyed by it because uh, Marvel's idea of shrinkflation is selling a trade collection of five issues for the same price that they usually would sell a trade collection of six issues. And, well, when they were six issues, they were bloated and uh, decompressed, so five might be better. So this is actually the only form of shrinkflation I kind of dig. So if Knights of X is only a five-issue miniseries, well, after today's episode, we'll be 20% through it, so... Like I said, fingers crossed. This is also probably not going to be a terribly long episode. Um, there really just there really, really isn't just a whole heck of a lot to say about the issue. This is one where you know I sat there with my with my bullet point script, and when I'm done with my synopsis portion, I have my talking time segment where I just put my thoughts in there, just uh, as they pop into my head. I pop, 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 and I go through them as a uh, as we get to it in that uh, part of the episode. And my talking time segment here is empty. Not a single word. There's a bullet without any words next to it. So um, maybe as I weave my way through the synopsis, I'll think of some stuff. Otherwise, I yeah, there really isn't much to say. Without any further ado, let's get into it. This is Knights of X number one. Had a June 2022 cover date. Story is called Part One, Hated and Feared. Hmm. Written by Teeny Howard with art by Bob Quinn. Colors, Eric Arshaniga. Letters, VCs, Ariana Marr. Designs, Tom Muller. Edits, Akoyi, Brunstad, White, Sabolski. Cover price, five bucks. This one went on sale April 27th, allegedly, April 27th, 2022. And yeah, we've talked a bit about Marvel's uh, publication and distribution woes and how the dates that we're finding online, even availability, as we're seeing it online, is... Uh, uh, wildly nebulous. I, I was talking to uh, to Jason, my uh, my partner on Weird Dose of X, about some stuff that was being canceled, and he's saying that Marvel's still showing these books as you know they're going to be shipping on time. 
on their website. And, uh, I mean, one hand doesn't know what the other is doing. So I think we're just more interested in trying to see who who's to blame, you know, rather than actually getting information out there. Anyway, <laughs> without any more further ado, let's get into it here. Let's take a look at our cover. Um, now, it is a very, very pretty image of most of our cast by Yannick Paquette. And um, I tell you what... Uh, Teeny Howard is like blessed being surrounded by these, you know, wonderful artists here. I haven't seen much Paquette uh, lately, at least not that I could tell, but um, wonderful artist. Really, really beautiful work here. And I tell you, um, the art in these otherworldly books is uh, literally the only reason to even flip through most of them. Um, let's pop this thing open. We're opening in Avalon, and we're at Jackdaw's Nest. I did write a bit about the singular jackdaw over at the blog a long while back during my short-lived X-Lapsed Origin series of articles, if anybody's interested in checking that out. It's basically um, the early, or early-ish, Captain Britain stories. It's uh, It was a lot of fun to uh, revisit those. Anyway, the jackdaws are being flushed out of Dodge by the Furies, and these Furies are very, very large, like gigantic. Uh, I mean... Bigger than, like, Sentinels, or, you know, the big Sentinels. Now, here we see that Josh Engelhart, uh, the Jersey Devil, is hiding out at uh, Jackdaw Nest. And we saw Josh defect to Otherworld back in New Mutants, Volume 4, Number 17, which we discussed way back in Episode 198. Now, he's starting to think better about this, and he feels like he might just be ready to head back to the relative mundanity of Krakoa. Now, he's spotted by some marshmallowy butterfly imagery, and eventually is rescued by Captain Britain. He hops on the back of her steed, and they fly over to Roma's floating kingdom. Now, all the while, the captain is spouting exposition about how, uh, you know, he and they can't return to Krakoa because the gate's done been destroyed. Also, we learn that the, uh, or it's shared, we, re- we already knew this, but it's shared here that the Starlight Citadel is now the Lunatic Citadel. Saturnine is out of power, uh, everything now falls under Merlin's purview. Uh, King Arthur is Merlin's most loyal knight, and he's scared that his mutant son Mordred is going to show up and kill him. I mean, it's all very dull, and it's all stuff that we already saw happen. But, you know, it is fair play in dumping some exposition here. This is a new number one. Maybe someone who never read Excalibur would read this. I don't know. I mean, this isn't Excalibur Volume 4, Number 27. This is Number 1 of Knights of X. There's no reason why it couldn't have been Excalibur Volume 4, Number 27, but, uh, eh, well, we, we all know the reasons for that. Um, anyway, in a bit of a, I guess, twist, we find out that this captain isn't our Betsy, but instead it's Captain Bretland of Earth Who Gives a Crap. From here, we hop to our double-page spread of roll call and cred. Our characters today include Saturnine, Betsy Britton, Richter, Bay the Blood Moon, Megan Braddock, Merlin, Roma Regina, Rachel, Shatterstar, Gambit, Jubilee and Shogo, and King Arthur. We're just calling her Rachel now. Okay. Uh, Next up, the Lavender Keep, where Elspeth Braddock of Earth Who Gives a Crap is sat at a scrying pool or something along those lines. Now, she can see that some mutants have gathered on Krakoa at the summoning circle from X of Tens to try and make contact with Betsy Prime. Elsewhere, Prime, Betsy Britton, and Saturnine argue and throw goblets at one another. The narration caption refers to Betsy as, as being the sworn knight of Lady Saturnine. And then, in the very next panel, she says that she isn't Saturnine's personal conquistador, which 
Uh, maybe we're, we're just splitting hairs here, I think. I don't know. Anyway, the gimmick here is that Saturnine wants her damn throne back, and Betsy is taking too damn long to do anything about it. Betsy says she needs an army to fight back Merlin's forces, and tells Courtney that uh, she ought to try to perform an X of Ten-style summoning to get her some reinforcements to, you know, do just that. Betsy then stomps off to Roma's room, where the lady of the house is seductively laying in bed while some goat people sit around staring at her. Betsy asks if Roma can, you know, help her put together this army. But she can't. Or maybe she can. I mean, who the hell knows? What she does, she hands Betsy a book with an X on it. Or maybe it's a ten. Who cares? Uh, Betsy opens it, and somehow calls for her crew to come together at the summoning circle. Uh, They are... Richter, Shatterstar, Bay the Blood Moon, Gambit, who seems really peeved that Rogue is off doing and saying absolutely nothing in the pseudo-flagship book, Rachel with uh, a wanking amazing baby, and uh, I I hear you, but mine's out of the gutter, gang. Wank is just the sound that amazing baby makes when he's running. It's literally wank, 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 which... Okay, Um, now it's worth noting, as I mentioned, Rachel is only known as Rachel here. Okay, so maybe we're deep-sixing her crappy prestige codename, which I'm okay with. The next thing we know, everybody's at the summoning circle, including Betsy, somehow. Uh, She informs the crew that she can take ten people back with her for this nebulous, and hopefully miniseries-length, quest. Worth noting, Megan, Jubilee, and Shogo have shown up as well, but uh, they're still short a member or two. And, well, Betsy's got an idea for that. But first... We hop into an info page, and it's from the grimoire of A. Now, Richter has tasked Doug with translating the magic book, and uh, this page is just an email request. Not, not a whole lot more to it. Don't know why it was necessary. We could have had a throwaway line saying, hey, I asked Doug to translate it. I don't know. When we get back to comics, we're over at the hatchery, where the Cox and the Five try to resurrect somebody. Well, Mordred, since he's a mutant. Now, they claim that they've learned about his mutantness from the young black knight, Jax Chopra. Now, Jax has been around since the, uh, was like the Curse of the Ebony Blade miniseries uh, about uh, two and change years ago. But we first met her back in episode 324 of X-Lapsed when we uh, discussed the death of Doctor Strange tie-in with uh, Black Knight and the X-Men. Uh, Megan dripped some of the waters of Otherworld on the egg. Uh, you see, Doctor Doom gave, the, gave this water to Betsy back in the last volume. I don't remember the issue number and uh, uh, really don't care enough to look it up. Anyway, the gold ball hatches. However, Mordred vanishes immediately, so what's up with that? Well, more on that later, I guess. We then follow Betsy back to, I think, the summoning circle where she tracks down Jubilee. Now, Jubilee asks uh, to come along on the quest with Shogo. The gimmick here is that Shogo is in like a state of perpetual sleep. And he's dreaming of Otherworld. So hopefully, this will be a one-way trip for the for the little bit of baggage here. From here, they all get into the circle, Betsy opens the book, and they're all whisked away to the boring place. All except for Jubilee, though. Now, the crew is still two members short. At least I think so. Um, I mean, the image of the knights here features eight characters, but it also looks like there's like an unknown ninth person in Shadow. Unless this is supposed to be a reflection, but if that's the case, it really doesn't, you know, come across right in the art. Um, now, from left to right, our characters include Shatterstar, Shogo the Dragon, Richter, Betsy, Rachel, Bay, 
Gambit, Megan, and this shadow. Hmm. Now, I'm not sure if Amazing Baby came along for the ride just yet. And also, maybe I'm the only one who remembers this, but I could have sworn that Megan was revealed as being pregnant during the gala. Maybe her plus one counts as one of the knights then? I, I really couldn't say. So, the knights are in place, but as mentioned, we are two members short. Now, this gives Rachel an idea. They ought to recruit someone who knows more about Otherworld than absolutely anybody. And yes, let's forget for a moment that Otherworld's been in peril for literally forever, and Excalibur nor the Knights of X have ever bothered trying to track this person down before. I mean, didn't we have like a whole world war here not too long ago? Where was this otherworldly expert during things like X of Tens? Hmm. Oh well. Now the person she's talking about is Kylan. And I'm pretty sure the take here is that uh, Kylan is someone we haven't seen in a long time. But he was seen on Krakoa back in X-Force number 12, so, uh, oops. Anyway, Kylan is fighting some generic cloaked figure, and the knights intervene, and uh, he immediately decides to join up with them. Then, it's time to fight Arthur's forces, or something like that. Uh, Betsy loads onto Shogo's back, and they fly toward the fracas. Then we get, like, skaty 800 pages of fighting. Until a generic knight enters the fray. This knight scares Arthur to his very core. Naturally, it's Mordred. Now, he's basically a blank slate here, and he immediately sides with the Knights of X. Now, remember, he was an Otherworld Resurrection, and those are all sorts of hoodoo right? Now, if you've been listening to this show for a while, um, first, thank you, and second, you'll know that I try to, like, have a different point of view than, you know, the groupthink or the hive mind or whatever, but uh, I know... A big criticism of this book and of Excalibur before it was that uh, folks were comparing the stories told in it to that of a very generic fantasy role-playing game. And as much as I'd like to be devil's advocate, well, I can't disagree. This feels very much like a, what are they called, dungeon masters? A DM? Is that what they're called? The people who craft these stories? It feels very much like that. And... Um, it lacks a whole lot of, like, narrative oomph. Anyway, um, from here, we learn what Roma's quest was all about, and it was uh, to track down the Siege Perilous. And, of course, you know, that's that brooch that Roma presented to the X-Men um, back during the Outback era that turned into a portal that could be entered, and when you come out the other end, you're changed, reborn, whatever it was. And, I mean, it was weird back then, and it's still weird now. Now, we close out with Merlin telling his gaggle of geeks about everything that's going on. And uh, he really seems to want Arthur and company to get the Siege Perilous. We wrap up the issue with an info page, and it's that same map of Otherworld that, uh, I mean, it makes just as much sense as it ever did. And I've called it Baby's First Grant Morrison's Multiversity Map before, and it still is that. But that'll do it for the issue. Next time out, we are talking Sabretooth number three. And, well, uh, my talking time bullet point is still empty. Um, I really don't have a whole lot to say about this. It uh, certainly, and I mean, you know, it's like I try to approach things from a, a narrative and a legacy standpoint where, like, this did not require a new title. This did not require a new number one. This didn't require a $5 price tag. 
Uh, this could have very easily been the next issue of Excalibur, and it wouldn't have missed a beat. It wouldn't have mattered that they're taking it in a new direction, because, hey, you know what? Comics have been around 100 years, and uh, we, we do diverge from time to time without having to relaunch the book. At least we used to. Nowadays, I mean, if we have a new anchor, we get a new number one, which is... Uh, that's a sign of the times, I suppose. I will say, and this might sound weird, since I kind of had a little bit of fun with this issue, but uh, I liked this better than Excalibur. Um, Excalibur felt like it was way too unwieldy, like it had too much room to play, you know? Um, here, especially if this is only a five-issue miniseries, I think we're going to remain on task here. There's going to be a story with a beginning and a, at least a, I was going to say a definitive end, but... Probably a cliffhanger to, in hopes that there'll be a follow-up miniseries to it, but at least there'll be something of an end. Whereas with Excalibur, it just kept kind of happening to us. You know, the story, what it was, just kept happening. And every time out, I would always comment that it feels, it felt like we were missing scenes. We were missing entire issues in between the issues that we were actually getting. Here, it's odd, right? I mean, this is a new number one, and it doesn't feel like we missed an issue, which, I mean, this is the book that we should have felt like we kind of were dropped in out of nowhere, and no, this was like the most cohesive continuation uh, from one issue of Excalibur to the next that uh, that I think we've seen yet. As far as all the magic is concerned in the, uh, you know, the Legion of Betsy's or the Betsy Corps, I'm still not terribly interested in that. Um, you know, we have, like, the whole... Uh, this whole series is predicated on the fact that they can't get back to Krakoa, right? I mean, that the gate's broken, or the gate's been destroyed, or it's just inaccessible. And, I mean, Roma just pops Betsy over there. I don't know if it was her physical form. It sure looked like it. She didn't look ethereal in the art. I don't know if that's a miscommunication or, or what, but it's like if we still have a means of traveling back and forth, then what, what's the big deal, you know? And why is it only ten? Why could she only have ten allies to fight back Arthur and Merlin? Other than the fact that, uh, you guys might not know this, but the Roman numeral for ten is X. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's very, very interesting and very, very clever. And it wouldn't surprise me if I just blew all of your minds in revealing that. But it just feels very, I don't know, for lack of a better term, manufactured. Which, it's a work of fiction, of course it's manufactured, but... uh I don't know, it just feels very inorganic and forced. And as I said during the synopsis, it lacks so much of the narrative oomph that I think a, uh, that a first issue should bring with it. What it did manage to bring with it was wow, some beautiful, beautiful artwork, beautiful visuals. Uh, it comes from our uh, old uh, Way of X friend, uh, Bob Quinn here. Wonderful, wonderful work. Um, beautiful facials, uh, just... A real a candy book uh, from an artistic point of view Just absolutely lovely It's just a, a shame we're in other world, I guess But um, yeah, don't know that I have a whole heck of a lot more to say about it um, Of course, these are my opinions Of course, this book is kind of um, Kind of like a front-heavy in Chris problems Where top-heavy, maybe, I don't know Whichever heavy, it's, it's heavy in Chris problems I'm not into the fantasy aesthetic uh, I'm not into other world. I'm not into stories that are that are built on on magic. They just feel they just feel kind of cheap to me because there really aren't any rules that need to be followed. 
not that every story needs rules, but um, I think I need my stories to uh, to have rules. This doesn't feel like an X-Men book. And maybe it's not supposed to, but at the end of the day, that's what I'm here for. You know, I'm here to read an X-Men story. I'm not here to read a story that features people who look like X-Men in totally different situations than I would usually see them in. And again, that's not a problem with the story. That's not a problem with the creative team. That's a problem with Chris. That's me just not jiving with a fantasy setting and with other worlds. So if you dig this, and like I said, I liked it better than Excalibur, but if you dug this, I would love to have those conversations here. So please do not hesitate to write in, call in, and uh, and share your thoughts about Knights of X. And of course, I could be reached several different ways. You can find me on Twitter at Ace Comics. You can find me on Instagram at 90sXmen. You can call into the X-Labs voicemail hotline at 623-396-JERK. Uh, you can also uh, send an old-fashioned email at weirdcomicshistory at gmail.com. Uh, the website, chrisisoninfiniteearths.com. The Facebook group is 90s X-Men. The complete audio archives are available anywhere you find noise or by going to chrisandreggie.podbean.com. But I think that's going to do it for today. And, of course, anytime I have a, an issue that I'm not terribly fond of, I generally apologize for uh, coming down a bit harsher than normal. And, uh, yeah, I suppose I can do that here. And, again, repeat that... Uh, I'm probably not the best person to review or analyze a book like this because it simply doesn't speak to me. So if you find that my opinion differs from your own, um, just rest assured, anything I say is not an indictment on the talent of the creators involved. It's more just not my kind of story. But uh, with all that said, I'd like to thank you all so much for hanging out with me today. And until next time, as always, I'll talk to you again real soon. See ya.